Welcome, everybody. Appreciate you joining us today, whether you're doing that in person at one of our campuses or just joining us online. Either way, I am really glad that you're here. And if this is your first time with us, I truly hope that it won't be your last. We're so glad that all of you are joining us wherever and however you're doing that today. Now, before we get started, I'm so excited to be able to share with you a way that God has been using your generosity to impact and bless the lives of hurting people right here in our community. You may remember back in December, our Christmas offering, which normally goes for clean water projects all over the world, but we felt God was leading us this year to take 100% of that Christmas offering and invest it in the needs of people in our community who had been affected by the pandemic, by the quarantine, by the virus. And we felt like the best way to do that was to invest it in some of our local partners who are on the front line. And we have a lot of great local partners who do great work all the time in a pandemic, out of pandemic. They've been doing it for years. But we had a few of our local partners who had really stepped up to the plate as a result of the pandemic. They saw an increase in the needs of their services, but at the same time, they saw a decrease in their funding. But they stayed on the front lines and continue to serve and meet practical needs. And one of those partners is Acts uh, Christian Ministries right here in our community. They've been helping people in the name of Jesus for over 30 years. They are our longest serving partner. We've been partnered with them for over 20 years. And so this week, we got to surprise them with a gift from you. It was like a publisher's clearinghouse moment when we dropped that gift on them. And so I just wanted to share that with all of you. So check it out. Well, hey, Cedar Creek Church. Uh, Danny and Todd and I are here at Axe, one of our incredible local partners who have been serving in our community for over three decades. And they are our longest serving partner. And I'm excited. We're excited to be here with Suzanne Jackson, the executive director of this incredible organization. And uh, Suzanne, I know you guys have been doing incredible work for over three decades, but I know this last year has presented some huge challenges for y'all. Well, it has. It has many, many challenges, but we say many blessings. Yes. And uh, early in the pandemic, we had to send our volunteers home, yeah. who are over 65. And uh, that really forced us to think about how we could still remain relevant sure. and serve in our community. There are a number of things that we did. We continued with our core services, serving people here curbside. But what it also forced us to do is to think about how do we serve the outlying communities yeah. that are rural and underserved right. where transportation is an obstacle. So in June, we started our first food distribution in Ridge Spring. The Ridge Spring area? Yes, yeah. That was, That's that awesome. <laughs> yes. So Ross yes, was yeah. a big partner yes. with that. And, um, that has been great. That has been a beautiful, we say that's our best practice yeah. of an outward outreach food distribution yeah. because the community has really embraced yeah. it. We immediately had five churches come on board. The mayor was engaged from the very beginning oh, and a cadre of very loyal volunteers. Yeah. So we're now serving 225 households wow. monthly with a week's worth of supplemental food. But it hasn't just been food. Food's a basic need. We know there's a lot of food insecurity mm -hmm. out there now with people who are unemployed, 
underemployed, yeah. but we've also been able to stretch what we call the discretionary appointments yeah. in the form of rent assistance. Yes. And yeah. that's something we don't traditionally do a lot of, yeah. but because of the need and because of some additional funding, we've been sure. able to do a good bit more oh, of fantastic. that. And then, of course, utility assistance. We're yeah. offering more from what we're able to do sure. financially to help prevent disconnection from yeah. utility bills, I mean, of utilities. Yeah. So, medical assistance, we still are very active with that. Yeah. But those are our core services. But I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our car program. Yeah. So, <laughs> we that is still an active program, sure. and we gifted a car, our first car for 2021, last awesome. week to a young lady who is. Um, Needed reliable transportation. She's employed because yeah. she didn't have reliable transportation. This now enables her to keep it. Yeah. And so we're excited. Ten cars in 2020 <laughs> and our first car Already in, in this early in 2021. And uh, I mean, these kinds of things are actually life transforming for people. They fill in the gaps. They make a difference. And so because of that, on behalf of the people of Cedar Creek Church, it is my joy to present to you this gift of ten thousand oh dollars to serve and continue to bless our community moving forward. That's a nice that's a nice way to start a Monday. Well, we love well, you. you. We love what's happening here and we just this want is... to continue to encourage y'all. God bless you and thanks for all the incredible work y'all do. Well I want to say that um, we would not be doing a lot of this without Cedar Creek. And we're grateful, we're grateful for our partners who stuck with us year after year. Yeah. And it acts is a partnership. Yes, we it started is. off as a partnership of churches. Yes. And now we have been able to expand our partnerships, but our churches are fundamental to what we do. And what we do, we do in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. So we yes. do this to God's glory. Yeah. And it is every day and it is it is humbling and it is a blessing to serve our clients. Our clients are so grateful. And I just um I just can't thank you enough. This is so generous. This was unexpected. <laughs> I am I am a little blown away. Well, so that's you. great. Well, we know God's going to use it and bless it. And we just pray God's continued blessings over your team, over all of the volunteers. And I know many of our Cedar Creekers yes. are a part of those volunteer teams. But yes, over you as a leader, just know we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. And we just... We look forward to the next 20 years working Thank together. Oh, yes. Thank you. Now, I hope we're still here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Cedar Thank Creek. Right. Thank you, Cedar Creek. Yeah. Thank you, Cedar. That's just one. We got several more to do, and I can't wait to share those with you. But here's the bottom line. I hope you never lose the connection between your generosity and the way God is able to take it and bless it and multiply it and meet the needs of people in our community. So thank you so much, all of Cedar Creek Church. So if you'll go ahead and grab your message notes, you'll see we are in week three of Reboot. This journey we're taking together as a church to explore how to learn from what we've been through in the past, how to let go of the things that are getting in the way of our present, and how to refresh God's purposes in our lives moving forward. 
And so in addition to talking about this in our Sunday messages, we're also doing a reboot small group study in all of our home groups and a reboot daily Bible reading plan through the Bible app. And I hope that you are connected with all of those resources, all of those elements through this journey. If not, just reach out at your campus or reach out on the online platform you're on. Let us get you connected. It's not too late to jump into this reboot journey with us. Now today, what I want to do is focus on what I think might be one of the most important areas in our lives where we need a reboot, and that is with our minds, to reboot the way that we think. You know, it's interesting your mind is one of the greatest assets you have. It's one of the greatest gifts God has given you. Did you know the human brain consists of about one billion neurons? A billion neurons. And because of that, it can record up to 800 memories per second. And do that over 75 years without ever getting tired. It is an amazing organ. It's not just the most complex organ in your body. It is the most amazing. At any given time, your brain is capable of storing 100 trillion thoughts. But the greatest thing your mind can do is to help you connect with and communicate with God. Because you are created in God's image, your brain is unique. It's different from animals. See, animal brains can only deal with the stimuli from their senses and what's going on in that moment. They operate out of instinct in the moment. But the human brain, because you're created in God's image, is able to think far beyond just the moment and just beyond your five senses. Right? You're able to think about time beyond just the moment. You are capable of thinking about thousands of years in the past. You're capable of thinking about hundreds of years into the future. Because of your brain, you're capable of thinking about what happens to you after you die, what's after this. Because of the brain God gave you, you're able to contemplate things like meaning and purpose to life. It's the greatest gift God has given you physically. But like most gifts, it can be a double-edged sword. Yes, your brain and its ability to think can be used for great good and to help you, but your brain can also take you to very dark and difficult places. Your thoughts can often take you to places that you don't really want to go. And that's why the Bible says that if you want to reboot your life, you have to reboot the way you think. Notice Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? What does that say? The renewing of your mind. And then notice the result. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, here's the problem. Most of us try to change our life by changing our behaviors. But real lasting change always starts from the inside. Real change has to come from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's why most New Year's resolutions never make it to Valentine's Day. 
Because we're trying to change the behavior without changing the thinking that's driving that behavior. And unless you change those thoughts, you might temporarily be able to change those behaviors, but your thoughts will always drive your behaviors, and your behaviors will ultimately be what drives your life. Notice how the Bible puts it in Proverbs 4.23. It says, be careful what you think. Why? Because your thoughts run your life. You're not always what you think you are, but you are always becoming what you think. The thoughts, the things that you think about drive your life. And so for the next few minutes, I just want us to explore together how to reboot your thinking. Three ways to change your life by changing the way you think. So let's jump in. Number one, the first thing you have to do is be more intentional about what gets your attention. Be more intentional about what gets your attention. Said another way, think about what you're thinking about. Because most of us are very passive when it comes to our thoughts. We operate on this assumption that thoughts are thoughts and we can't control them. And while there is some truth that you don't have complete control over 100% of the thoughts that enter your mind, you have a lot more control over your thoughts than you think. In fact, look at what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10.5. He says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Key word, captive. Circle that word captive. What does it mean to take something captive? It means to take control over it. When you take something or someone captive, you decide whether it goes and when it goes. You decide whether it stays in or stays out. One of the ways that you can control your thinking is by choosing what you're willing to let in and what you want to keep out. You control what you watch. You control what you read. You control who you let to influence you. You control who you follow on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Having an open mind doesn't mean that you let anybody and everybody put thoughts in your mind. Be cautious about who influences your thoughts. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. That's a familiar verse for many of us who grew up with Christian moms, right? Especially when you were a teenager, they tell you, be careful who you hang out with. Bad company corrupts good character, and that's true. But it's not just who you hang out with. It's also who and what you are allowing to put thoughts into your mind. Would you agree that there's a lot of bad, negative, destructive ideas floating out there in the culture, in the media, on social media? Sure, we all, but listen, just because it's out there doesn't mean we have to allow it in here. Now look, I'm not saying that we need to isolate from the culture. I'm not saying we need to hide out in our holy Christian huddles. I'm just saying we need to be more selective about who or what we are allowing to dominate our thoughts. We're just way too passive when it comes to choosing what we 
think about. Isn't it interesting that for the last nearly year, we've been wearing masks and socially distancing in order to keep what's out there from getting in here, right? And that's a good thing to do. But we seem to be completely oblivious about allowing what's out there to get in here. Maybe we need better masks for our minds and better social distancing from the people who are putting stuff in our minds that is destructive and not God-honoring. Who do you let influence your thoughts? Why do you let them influence your thoughts? Hey, here's a great question to ask yourself. Do I really want to think about this right now? Do you realize you can ask yourself that question and answer? Do I really want to think about this right now? Because we just think about stuff without ever stopping to consider, is that really what we want to be thinking about? When you're afraid, do you really want to think about fearful things? When you're worried, do you really want to think about things that worry you? When you are discouraged, do you really want to think about things that discourage you? You have a choice. You can change the channel. That's why spending daily time in God's Word is so crucial, not just to your spiritual health, but your mental and emotional health as well. That's why being connected in authentic Christian community with other believers is essential. Being with people who can speak truth and love to you, who can encourage you, who can help you see where you got stinking thinking. If you want to reboot your mind, think about what you're thinking about. Be more intentional about what's grasping your attention. Number two, the second thing we can do is to recognize that changing your focus can change how you feel. Changing your focus can change how you feel. See, not only do you get to choose what you think about, but what you choose to think about can help you manage your emotions. They can help change the way you feel. Have you ever noticed how resistant feelings are to your will? Like you're just trying to make yourself not feel a certain way. Like you're struggling with sadness, you know, like, I'm not going to feel sad. I'm not going to feel sad. Trying to force yourself to feel happy. How's that working? Right? It's like trying to tell a little kid who's crying to stop crying. I'm trying. I really want to stop crying. I'm trying. My. No, it doesn't work because our emotions are resistant to our will. Your emotions are often uncontrollable. But listen to this. They are manageable. And you manage them by what you choose to focus on. Great example of this, David. King David in the Old Testament. David struggled all his life to manage his emotions. You read the Psalms that he wrote. You read the narrative of his life in the Old Testament. His emotions are all over the place. And he struggles to control them. But he understood the ultimate way to control your emotions. Notice what he writes, Psalm 42, 6. David says, my soul is downcast within me. I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. See what he's doing there? He's not trying to make himself not be downcast and sad. He's just changing his focus from his circumstances to God's faithfulness. You know, there's an old saying, what you resist 
persist. You ever heard that before? It's this idea that the more you try to resist something you don't want, the more it's going to show up in your life. It's going to keep hanging around. We talk about this a lot with the area of temptation. You know, we try to resist the temptation, right? I'm not going to eat that donut. I'm not going to eat that hot, fresh, glazed donut. I'm not going to, what am I focused on, right? The thing I don't want, I'm focused on the donut. And when I do that, that's why I end up with my car in a ditch covered with glaze in a sugar coma, right? Because what you resist persists. In the same way you do that with temptations, you can do that with your emotions. If you change your focus, it will change how you feel, right? Let's say tonight, after the Super Bowl, you're sitting in the living room, and you're watching one of the news channels, and the commentator on there is just getting on your nerves, right? You're disagreeing with everything they say. They're so biased. You know, they lean one way, political way or the other, and you're just getting more, and the more they talk, the more angry you get, and you just keep watching, and next thing you know, you are screaming at a television screen. Y'all are looking at me like that don't happen to y'all, but I know that it does. Here's the thing. You are feeling angry, and you are blaming the commentator for making you angry, but you had the remote in your hand the whole time. You could have changed what you are focusing on. Changing your focus will change how you feel. You know, one of my favorite verses from the Old Testament book of Jonah, that great story of of Jonah and the fish. And and I love Jonah 2.7 from the Living Bible paraphrase. Notice what it says. When I had lost all hope, when I was feeling hopeless, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Do you see how he changed it, how he felt by changing what he focused on? And I'm going to tell you, this verse for a lot of us this year, this might need to be the theme verse for the 2020-2021 year. This year with all of the division in our politics, all of the hate, all of the stuff that's going on on top of this huge pandemic. It's so easy, especially as Christians, to lose hope. And if you keep watching social media, if you keep focusing on the news media, if you keep listening to every Tom, Dick, and Harry that says every opinion or whatever, you're going to end up losing hope. But if you can focus on God, His faithfulness, the reality that He moves and that He does some of His best work in some of the darkest circumstances, it can change how you feel. In fact, some of us, a lot of us, need to take this verse, write it on an index card, or make it the wallpaper or the screensaver on your phone or your laptop, put it on your car dash, put it on the mirror in your bathroom to be reminded, when I begin to feel hopeless, turn my thoughts once again to God. You want to reboot your life? Reboot your thinking. Because your thoughts drive your emotions, and your emotions drive your behavior. And that leads to the last thing. The third thing we can do to reboot our thinking is to examine the beliefs behind your behavior. Examine the beliefs behind your behavior. Because look, it's not just emotions that are driving your behavior. There are often beliefs that you hold that end up determining why you do the things you want to do, even if you don't want to do them. And look, it doesn't matter whether the thing you're believing in is true or a lie. 
It doesn't even matter if you're aware that you have that belief or not. It will still control your actions. Let me put it this way. Behind every behavior is a belief. Behind every behavior, good, bad, or neutral, is a belief. Do you know what that belief is? Notice what the Bible says, Proverbs 14, 50. The simple believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. You see the connection between your beliefs and your behaviors? If you're acting fearful, it's probably that you, because you believe something bad's going to happen. If you're acting resentful, it's because somewhere down inside you feel devalued or disrespected by somebody. If you're feeling prideful, you're acting prideful, it's probably because deep down you believe you're not good enough. If you're feeling defensive, if you're acting defensive in your relationships, it's probably because of insecurities you believe. Pride and arrogance is always a front for insecurity and unworthiness. Those beliefs control your behavior. Let me tell you, until you uncover what that belief is, you're going to keep struggling with that behavior. That's why Jesus talks so much about fruit, our fruit. He said, you will know people by the fruit. That's the outward expression. That is the behavior of their life will reveal to you what's truly in their hearts. Because Jesus knows that our lives are not driven by what we say we believe, but by what we truly believe. Right? We all have two sets of beliefs. We have the beliefs we verbalize. I would imagine most of us as Christians are fully believing in the fact that God loves us and he has a plan and a purpose for our life. We believe that. We say it out loud. We believe that Jesus died and was resurrected for the forgiveness of our sins and to provide eternal life and purpose and meaning to life. We believe that God wants to work in and through us to make a difference in the lives of people. We believe those things. Those are the beliefs we say out loud. But the truth is we have all have unspoken beliefs. And it's those beliefs that often control how we live, how we behave. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Romans seven fifteen. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. You ever had that thought? You ever felt that way? Like you do these things, you know, like, I don't even know why I did I don't want to do that. And the things I want to do, I don't seem to be able to do that. Why is that? Well, if you read the rest of that passage, you'll see Paul is talking about this internal struggle between his faith and his flesh. It's the struggle in his life between the beliefs that he wants to build his life on and the lies that the enemy tries to convince him of. So let me ask you this question. What are you believing right now? What belief, hidden, unspoken belief, are you believing right now that's getting in the way of your life? What what are you believing that is getting in the way of your relationships? What are you believing that is getting in the way of fulfilling God's purposes for your life? Do you secretly believe that you're just not good enough? 
Or that because of your past, God can never use you in the present or the future? Are you believing that he's going to leave or she's going to leave? Are you, what are you believing that is driving your behavior? You know, we've said throughout this series that one of the goals of this reboot journey is to help us let go of the things that are getting in the way of our lives. Maybe, just maybe, one of the things we need to let go of are these false beliefs, these lies from the enemy, these lies from the culture, these lies from social media, these lies from friends and enemies that are controlling how we live our lives. You want to change your life? Change the way you think. Let me close with this last verse on your outline. Because this is what rebooting your mind is all about. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about what you're thinking about and let God move in your life. Would you pray with me? Oh, Father, I thank you so much for the clarity of your word. It just cuts right down to the core of who we are. And I thank you that you have given that to us so that we would not have to stumble around in the darkness unaware of why we feel the way we feel or why we do the things we do. And so, Father, would you help us change the way we think? Would you begin to transform us by transforming, renewing, rebooting our minds? Father, we can't do that on our own. If we could have made these changes in our own strength and power, we'd have changed this stuff long ago. We need a supernatural move of you in my heart, in the hearts of these people I love so much, in this church, in this community, in this nation, and in this world. But Lord, let that reboot begin in me. Move among us, Jesus, right now. In your name we pray, amen.